Welcome to Future Focus, the UK at Expo podcast series, where throughout the world's greatest show at Expo 2020 Dubai, we'll be celebrating the best of the UK's creativity, innovation and culture, with special guests offering exclusive insight into ways we can innovate for a shared future. In this episode, host Nick DeLeon talks to Stephanie Fair, Chairman of the British Fashion Council and Chief Customer Officer and a Director at Farfetch. With customers in over 190 countries and products from over 1,300 of the world's best brands, boutiques and department stores, Farfetch is the leading global platform for the luxury fashion industry. In April 2017, Farfetch unveiled their augmented retail vision and launched Farfetch Store of the Future, a technology-powered retail operating system. This suite of technologies aims to improve retail productivity by capturing consumer data and enhancing interactions between consumers and sales associates, both in-store and online. You're listening to the Future Focus podcast series with me, Nick DeLeon from the Royal College of Art. In the What Will We Wear series, I'm going to be in conversation with representatives from across the fashion sector. My guests include a model, a designer, an academic, and one of the world's most innovative retailers. Today, I'm with Stephanie Fair, Chief Customer Officer of Farfetch. We're going to be discussing luxury retail redefined, as well as how to transform the fashion industry for a more sustainable, shared future. Stephanie, you're responsible for everything customer-orientated at the luxury fashion retail platform Farfetch. Tell me a little bit more about your journey into the world of fashion and how you kind of transformed yourself from a, a, a student studying politics, philosophy and economics at Oxford to be absolutely the doyen of this world. Well, thank you for that introduction, Nick. Yes, I'm currently Chief Customer Officer at Farfetch. Um, I'm also Chairman of the British Fashion Council. So I guess I have perspective from the point of view of an e-commerce platform, but also just a broad industry point of view. I would say I fell into fashion when I moved to New York after university many years ago. And it was really more about living in New York and finding a role that, that I could do at the time. And I started in, in PR, lifestyle, it was beauty, fashion, which led to a fashion job at Isemiyake, which led to being called up by Vogue magazine. And then you probably realize, well, I probably am in fashion. But I think the real turning point was actually when I decided that I wasn't necessarily interested to continue my career in editorial and really wanted to move on to the business side of fashion. Um, and if you remember from back in the day, the business side of fashion wasn't discussed as much. Now you have the business yeah. of fashion. But back then it was really just considered the sort of editorial fashion um, uh, styling, photography, but I was interested in the guts of the business. And really that was, I think, the pivotal change because I, I was lucky enough through through contacts to interview with uh, this startup called Portero, which was the very first pre-owned marketplace for fashion. So the founders wanted to really take the idea of eBay, but uh, focus on a vertical, which was fashion. I mean, you can imagine we were so ahead of our time. So ahead. I mean, amazing. So ahead of our time. This was 2005. But what that gave me was a real insight into this nascent world of digital and e-commerce really early on, which when I moved back to England, gave me the, um, the chance to take on the role, Natalie Massenet, 
um, the founder of Net-A-Porter and her CEO, Mark Seba, hired me to launch a new business called The Outnet. So that's the sort of very quick potted history. But I, I really fell into it. But but the, 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 the real move was, I guess, the move into digital and e-commerce. And I, I, uh, I'd love to think that I knew exactly where the future was heading and that it was all going to be a, a digitalized future. But I, I guess there's a bit of luck involved in that too. And I'm very glad I've fallen into that because it's just opened up a whole world. It's amazing to think about the transformation. Um, you know, as you described Portero, then Internet Porter, then president of the outnet.com as part of it. You, I mean, you seem to be a kind of serial disruptor in a way, or at least finding those elements that are disrupting the sector. Uh, how do you feel about what's going to happen next in the sector? Because obviously, I mean, I'm going back four years ago, 2017, you kind of launched the, um, you know, what is the kind of the future, the store of the future. But things have kind of changed and transformed even more since then. Tell us a little bit about what is that kind of driving force and why do you think change needs to happen in the sector? So, yes, you're right, Nick, I do really enjoy and I, I guess I would never have called it disrupting, but I do love convincing people. I love to be able to prove people um, over time uh, as to what we were saying. So whether it's the pre-owned world or with the outnet, it was uh, show people that you could really create uh, a beautiful merchandised uh, approach to previous seasons, which in the fashion industry had never existed. So I guess the drive is to really push things forward because it's nice to be able to convince people. Um, but yes, in terms of uh, Farfetch, I guess that is the dream place if you're thinking about painting the picture of the future for people. And, uh, and that's why I'm so grateful for, for this role. And, uh, and when I joined in 2016, the business, Jose Nevis, the founder, had really been able to, after six, seven, eight years in business, been able to really start to put some meat around the bones of his ultimate vision, which had always been his vision from day one, which is how do we connect the worlds of online and offline? And that yes. year I joined was the first year we did Farfetch OS, which was our sort of big tech reveal and conference around the future of retail. And it was really showing that the customer isn't an online customer or an offline customer. You have to be where the customer is, and that's the ultimate luxury. And the idea behind Farfetch OS was to show how technology could really empower the human experience to create an unbelievable, seamless experience for retail. We had all the CEOs from the biggest brands. It was at the Design Museum, I remember. Uh, I remember it particularly well because I had just had a baby four weeks before, but I wasn't about to miss this one. And, uh, and it was laying out the vision for um, what Farfetch as a platform could really do for the industry. So many people don't realize that Farfetch is a marketplace, which is what you see as a consumer, but it's also a technology platform that enables the industry to move forward and digitalize. And, uh, and back from my days in Portero, I realized that technology is its own expertise. It requires a huge amount of investment. It's not something you can do on the side. And I think over time, the luxury industry has realized that in order to really be able to do uh, e-commerce, technology, innovation well, you've got to partner. And so this was really our expose to the industry around that. And over the years, since that design museum moment in London, we've been pushing 
the envelope, I guess, on this uh, proposal. And we've had some amazing pilot programs. We've had some amazing partnerships with Chanel. If you've been to the Browns Brook Street store in London, you can see our luxury new, new retail proposition in real life. So it's been an amazing journey. It sounds one. And, you know, I think of my own experience. I walk into a store and nobody knows anything about me until I get to the checkout after I've selected the goods, hand over my card, and now they know who the heck I am. Yet when I go online, people know about me from the very moment I click onto that website. In fact, they've known about me. They've probably anticipated me even coming there and can recreate the store for it. So how do you bring these two different worlds together? How the, that kind of in-store experience, which is almost dataless for the, in terms of the consumer engagement until the very last moment, combine, compared to, say, the, the online retail experience, which is data-rich from the very moment it begins. That's exactly right, Nick. And I think what we found is that consumer expectations cross over from industries. Um, and so it's not just that because someone walks into a store, now they, they are going to accept a lesser experience or they, they have been conditioned now, as you said, to have a personalized experience because that's what they experience online. We often talk about the Amazon effect because everybody shops on Amazon. Yes. There's an ex um, expectation of easy, quick, seamless delivery, for example, whether it's in the convenience space like Amazon or in the luxury space or any other space, groceries or, or food. So that expectation, I think, is, is at the core. Um, and how do we do it? It really is about the data and the underlying data. It really is about having a single view of the customer between their online experience and their offline experience. And the key to that kingdom, as it were, is the app, because the app is the way to connect um, a customer's online journey through their app or on their, on their desktop yeah. to the store. And so there's an action from the customer. They check in with their app. And then that just says to the, to the store staff, I'm here. This is my wish list. Um, if you've prepared your store visit, which a lot of our customers do because they are short on time and they want to really maximize their visit, actually, they will be communicating with the store stylist ahead of time who will have items ready for them in the fitting room before they even arrive. So you really are redefining kind of this, this whole sense of what the luxury retail experience is around personalization, around the ease of the experience, uh, uh, using technology in a way to, to enable the consumer to engage with the store in a, on their terms, put them in control. And isn't that the ultimate luxury? And I think it's about choice. It's about putting in control. We also have a feature if the customer doesn't want to be approached to say, no, thank you. I, I want a no help visit, as it were. The key, I think, and where Farfetch, unlike a lot of the store of the future technologies that you read about for other industries are all about in and out quickly. You know, you think about Amazon Go again, to use an, an Amazon yes. analogy. That's all about walking into the grocery store and walking out. And people say, gosh, I feel like I've stolen something because it's so quick and, and the technology records that. That's brilliant for that particular use case. But actually, for what we're doing in luxury and why it's been so well received by the industry is that Farfetch understands the luxury customer. And so the technology and the data has to be a supporting point. It is not front and center. Actually, what we're doing is redefining and enhancing the experience and the 
the, the role of the sales associate because they now get liberated, as it were, from the, the job of um, going to find an extra pair of shoes in the stockroom or typing on their computer to find out if something is available in a different store. All of that happens in the background. And what the store associate can do is really storytell. So sales associates have become more like brand ambassadors and influencers. And isn't that the ultimate luxury that when you walk into a store, you have the time to connect to a real human who can tell you stories about the brand, who can really walk you through. And I think that is the key and why our luxury new retail uh, approach has to be so specific for luxury. What's so interesting about this is you're not only redefining luxury retail, you're actually helping us define more effectively what luxury means to us, you know, evolving the nature of luxury, where luxury might have been associated purely with the the goods and the provenance of those goods. Now, luxury is imbued and enriched with the experience itself. Can you tell us a little bit more? Because you must be thinking about what else do I add? What can I create that takes luxury as an experience to a new level beyond just the goods or services that are being acquired? Yes, and I think defining luxury has changed over time. But where we think luxury is, is, is around choice. If you're in a rush, how can we help you with that? If you actually have time and want to be um, walked through the, the product, you should be able to do that as well. You should be able to have it ultimately personalized to you if that's not also the ultimate uh, luxury. Um, and we've talked about, you know, more generally, provenance, craftsmanship is incredibly important. But that's about storytelling. And so how can we help ensure that the brands are able to tell their story about provenance? So luxury has had very different definitions over time. But I think what's important, and this has been a wake-up call to the industry, is that for so long, the industry believed that the road to digital and e-commerce was an erosion of, of luxury because it was not yes. convenient, not, you know, not on brand. It was all about convenience, but actually the customer expects that. Their expectations bleed over from all sorts of other experiences they have in their life. So um, melding that luxury and that digitalization has been something that the luxury industry has finally understood. And we believe that at Farfetch, we can really enable that. And do you think that will extend beyond the world of fashion as well? Um, because, I mean, obviously what you're, you're doing here is redefining both the nature of the uh, luxury experience. And that experience is not just limited to walking into Chanel or a Louis Vuitton store. I mean, it's, it, it pervades much more of our lives. So um, can we expect to see Farfetch as a platform reaching into other industries as well? Well, we definitely believe that there's uh, there's synergies with other personal goods industries. We've we've announced that we will be launching Beauty in uh, in 2022, which feels like a very good next uh, step. But it really is about all the services as well. So it's not necessarily about the product. We have um, an amazing service for our private clients called Fashion Concierge, which is about sourcing, sourcing product that they can't otherwise find. And if you boil that down, it's about time. It's the customer wants someone else to take the yes. time because 
they cannot. And that's luxury as well. So we're uh, we're adapting. We believe due to Farfetch's values that luxury is also the ability to curate a whole selection from boutiques all around the world. So you're sitting at your desk in the evening and you're actually seeing a curation from around the world. Farfetch brings you the world of fashion. That's luxury. That's a form of of travel, particularly in during the pandemic when people weren't actually able to travel. We heard from customers that they loved the idea that they could shop from a boutique in Rio de Janeiro or um, that our Italian boutiques were still able to sell despite the lockdown. So the definitions of luxury are multiple and we're very adaptive and nimble and also not just adapting to the customer needs, but actually setting them in some ways. Could, could you explore, can we just explore that about kind of setting new needs? And I also was thinking, particularly coming back to the pandemic, I mean, that has forced a lot of change on the industry. We watched our high streets close down. Um, we watched um, uh, online commerce kind of boom, people who not were not used to using e-commerce. That's right. Um, perhaps their limousine kind of rolled up outside the store. And their, you know, limo to venue shoes, they walked into the store wearing those. Now, of course, the pandemic forced change absolutely on everyone. How did it really affect your business in this sense? Well, first and foremost, we didn't know at the beginning. And if you remember those early dark days of, uh, of the pandemic, you know, you, you saw what was happening being based in in the UK, we saw what was happening in China. Then we saw what was happening in Italy, and we didn't know. We didn't know how the business was would react. Particularly that we're in the fashion space, and you wonder, well, is that something that will remain during a crisis like this? So our first focus was absolutely the health crisis, the well being of our employees, and just managing the day to day. But very quickly, we realized that there was still demand for this. And because of Farfetch's unique business model, which is this distributed model of inventory where we plug into all the boutiques and brands around the world, we were able to to continue um, operating. And so the demand remained. The fact that we were global allowed us to really hedge ourselves, as it were. So if one market was down, another one was recovering uh, a little bit. But I think overall, the biggest change has been this real paradigm shift to online shopping. The penetration in the luxury industry is still sort of, you know, 13, 14%, but it's due to to grow into the 20s significantly faster than expected. But the pandemic has really, really accelerated that. So I think that's one sort of macro aspect. The other one is the customer's expectations. People want to be able to recreate that experience from store online. So what's really accelerated is everything to do with, well, in broad terms, the metaverse and digital fashion, virtual try-on, 3D. How do you give the customer a tangible experience of what they're about to buy? And we've done a lot of really cool partnerships. I'll say with virtual try-on, for example, where we launched Chopard's Happy Watches on Farfetch with the ability to virtually try on the watches. And the experience was fab, I have to say. It was really, you could turn your wrist around and see what the, the watch really felt like. We um, we did a fantastic partnership with Burberry just recently to launch their Olympia bag. And it was a virtual tour through a store in the sky. So the adoption and the understanding of that world um, has also hugely accelerated. Um, and I think this is about sort of adapting to the customer, but also 
being able to push the industry forward and and in in some ways give give them something new they didn't even know they wanted Aaron Datty Roy, I'm going back to February 2020, wrote a, a very prescient piece for the Financial Times about the pandemic presenting us with a portal. And we can walk through that portal carrying little luggage, or we can walk through with the kind of baggage of dead ideas. But what we should be doing is walking through that portal, ready to imagine a new future and fight for it. There does seem to be a kind of new future in fashion retail emerging here uh, from what you're describing. And when you described that it was kind of only 13 to 14% of e-commerce in the uh, luxury goods industry, in the luxury markets, it seems like there's a huge opportunity to imagine a completely new future for luxury goods and the acquisition of those. Um, when I'm listening to what you're saying and describing those elements of, of these leading brands, do you see this kind of the sky's the limit here? Um, because the luxury market continues to grow globally and people are looking for a very different experience, which isn't just walking down Bond Street, but it's Bond Street and, and I'm just wondering what the, the and could be now. That's a beautiful quote from uh, Arundhati Roy, and, and that's absolutely right. How, or, or put more prosaically, never put a, you know, never waste a crisis, um, as it were. Yes. <laughs> and how do we really use the pandemic, which happened to all of us, to almost um, set the, the tone for a new industry? And actually, with my role at the British Fashion Council, I'm very proud that we very quickly, actually, this was June 2020, we wrote a joint statement with our counterparts uh, in the US, the, the, the CFDA, the Council of Fashion Designers of America, my counterpart being Tom Ford and the CEO being um, Stephen Kolb, um, counterpart to Caroline Rush here. And we wrote a joint statement really saying a lot of what had sort of been bubbling up, but that no one wanted to pay attention to, because why would you make great change when there's no catalyst? But the, the pandemic really was a catalyst for change. And we urged the luxury industry to slow down, interestingly. And we said, do we need quite so many seasons? We looked at seasonality. Does it make sense to be selling items completely in the wrong season? And what does that look like in terms of the waste for the industry? We, we urge the industry to think about sustainability, not as a marketing ploy, but actually as the foundations of a better industry, which ultimately should be, if businesses are future-proofed and are sustainable, they will be the ones that will grow better. And so this, this letter that we published really, I think, still stands true today. And I, and I read through it and I think, well, it, you know, I wouldn't call it prescient, but it's certainly set the, the mark for how I think we should be looking in, in general. And so, you know, to your question, what, what is that opportunity for a new, for a new uh, industry? I think business models will change. I think um, brands are realizing that they cannot be over-distributed because that causes a whole load of externalities around overproduction of stock. So they are going much more direct to consumer. They're actually... Um, using platforms such as Farfetch, which is e-concession. So it actually is their own yes. stock and controlling their stock a lot more. As we talked at length, they're thinking about digitalization and the customer experience. And hopefully, and this is really my, my hope, is that 
businesses are thinking about sustainability increasingly, not as a nice to have because it's a great you know statement to make um, as a marketing ploy, but truly thinking about it at the foundations of their business, because that is the opportunity to really build back better. I mean, building back better as a sector, you know, it's a three and a half, four trillion dollar sector worldwide. There are the great leviathans uh, in this, um, you know, five or six companies that are worth together about a, a, a trillion dollars of market cap. Um, but then the UN kind of labels it as the second most polluting industry. So it's clearly an industry that needs to change and needs to adopt new models as as part of this. And it it's clear that, as you just described, the, the issues of waste in a sector uh, need to be addressed. Um, the issues of uh, employment and supply chains that really do respect the rights of individuals all the way through need to change. And, and clearly the companies that you're working with are right at the forefront of creating that kind of change. What what more things could you think we might be doing to, to help transform this industry? And can Farfetch play an important role in that, do you think? Yes, so I, I guess as much as there are titans of the industry, absolutely, but it is still a very fragmented industry. It's incredibly global and there's still a lot of businesses. And I think the, the, the real challenge is how do we uh, come together as, as an industry uh, so that a lot of the work and innovation and IP that is created around sustainability gets shared around yes. and is not siloed amongst businesses. So I think that's the key. And then to the task at hand and the goal, uh, you mentioned this, the, the, you know, the current fashion industry is linear. Um, you produce something, you buy it, you sell it, the customer wears it, and then they get rid of it broadly. Yes. Um, and that has been how it's operated for many, many years, particularly an industry based on newness. And so there's always something new to look forward to. Now, how do we still play to that customer need of newness, but actually create a circular industry? Yeah. Um, and so that circularity is ultimately the goal. And within that circularity, you can work on everything from better, fa better fabrics, more recyclable ones, you know, end producer responsibility, but you really have to think about the economy um, in a circular way. And I'm really proud that Farfetch as a platform for the industry and the largest destination for fashion really has a role to play and has been playing. You know, we don't manufacture to a large degree. We do have our NGG brand platform, but where we really stand to make a difference is just the size of our platform. So we are able to use that, um, that size for good. And so we've got a whole positively far-fetched uh, strategy um, with, you know, 2030 goals. We want to sell by 2030, 100% of our products are conscious products. So we've partnered with a startup called Good On You to make sure that we label which products are conscious. And we sort of help the consumer in that journey. You know, we, we were focusing on circularity, not in the circularity I was talking about across the industry, but circularity in terms of resale. So, you know, the circularity for the way the customer approaches. So we've launched Second Life, which take, allows us to take bags back and give credit for Farfetch. We've launched Farfetch Repair to allow our customers to send in items and have them repaired. We've partnered with a startup here called Thrift that allows um, customers to donate items 
um, and get a credit on Farfetch. So we're really focusing on being the platform for good as well and using our um, our, our strength to help push the, the industry along. But you've also got the great role with the British Fashion Council as well, the Institute for Positive Fashion. I mean, you know, the British Fashion Council has been leading the way in this, hasn't it, in terms of getting us all thinking about this world. I mean, you know, at the Royal College of Art, we have the most incredible fashion department there and textile design department. I mean, it's, it's creating, the, you know, the, the, we often say the future begins here at the Royal College of Art, as you look at so many of the people out there. But with the Institute of Positive Fashion, you, you've really brought forward these, this kind of thinking about circularity, about provenance, about making sure that people understand the supply chains that bring these goods. Uh, to the market. And it's also great to see how far Fetch is picking that up. I mean, in your British Fashion Council role, can you also um, can you also tell us just a little bit about some of the things you're doing to kind of propel this uh, important change? Yes, no, Nick, you uh, you actually you you actually got got right ahead of me on that. And, and, and thank you for bringing it up. Yes, the British Fashion Council has has actually been talking about sustainability since as early as 2006 when it, when it set up its positive fashion pillar and has really, in its role, pushed that topic more so, I would say, than, than the large fashion uh, capitals out there. Um, and and as, as you said, uh, launched the Institute of Positive Fashion two years ago at Downing Street with a view that it can be um, uh, a platform of shared knowledge so that all of the new designers coming up can start to build their businesses more consciously so that the large industries that participate in our economy can share their IP. So that's the start. But we hope that under that, we can actually start to create programs that show this and commercialize this within uh, industry. But the key really, and, and what I think the industry is understanding is that it cannot do it alone. It needs support from stakeholders, industry bottoms up, government top down through policy and regulation, and then trade bodies such as ours, the British Fashion Council. And it's these sort of stakeholder collaborations that are ultimately going to move us forward. And so that is really what the BFC is working on. How do we involve government? How do we serve as a sort of Switzerland of the industry? to bring everybody together around the table. And we've been doing it from a knowledge sharing perspective. How do we actually commercialize it and industrialize it to show change? And so, you know, Farfetch can participate in that. We've long worked with startups through our open innovation program where we can really accelerate the role of some of these startups. For instance, the Restory is one that we worked with that now is helping with our repair, um, Farfetch repair, but they work with other businesses that are, you know, I'd call our competitors. And that's okay, because that's what the customer needs. And it will become, I hope, table stakes. With Second Life, we're seeing how, I mean, all those projections seem to be that this kind of Second Life for clothes is going to be far bigger than the kind of fast fashion world is today, and hopefully displace much of that world too that has created so many of these challenges that we're facing. But um, I'm, I'm also intrigued as we kind of explore this domain, is, is thinking about how with the data that you have got in the Farfetch platform, 
um, about the supply chain, about the provenance, the companies that you work with, how you can use that as well to start being able to create more responsible, accountable supply chains and let the people who are at the receiving end of the, 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 the consumer understand truly what, where their products are coming from. Because I think we need to involve the consumer as part of this mix as well. We do, yes, the fourth stakeholder, quite right. The fourth stakeholder, I mean, you know, your, your role and my role, I mean, I, I've been, I set up the service and experience design program at the Royal College of Art, which was basically saying, look, all the money's on the right-hand side of the page, which is where the consumer is. And we look at how we get value from left to right to the consumer. If you want, if you want to really understand how to create and capture value for the consumer, then you have to also align yourself with their values Yes, it is a kind of values-led innovation model, and and you're giving that combination of that, I think, with Farfetch, that kind of a data-driven model that allows you to understand how all the value gets from left to right in order to cater for the consumer that's on the right-hand side of the page and has the power to make or break our industries, as it were. Yes, yes, and 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 data is valuable, um, and it's not just having the data, right? Because then you just or some sort of inert data lake. It's using that data and putting it to good use. So for example, how can we share with our brands some you know, clearly anonymized data that will allow them to make better decisions around their production? Yes. And how do we use uh, customer data to help them make better decisions about their future product? We are, we're launching, for example, I, I had mentioned to you, uh, a brand through our brand platform called there was one. And the hope is that by using data, actually, you just produce the right amount of stock. And so there was one produced by NGG. The idea is that it is sustainable because you're actually thinking about the supply chain. You're shortening that supply chain because you've got a better handle of what people want, but you're also not producing more than what you need. So data is about really putting it to good use. I mentioned um, partnering with Good On You and really being able to signpost all of the conscious products for our customers. Now, that's really about um, as good as the data we're given by the brands around the provenance of their product. But suppose that they start to see that customers are shopping only through conscious products. You can be sure they're going to start to give us more, more information. So it creates this positive flywheel. And at the core, it's that customer movement. The customer is pushing for this. But the view is they don't really know how to start, which is why we need government, industry and industry bodies together. It's marvelous that, you know, we can see all of these different elements coming together. Hopefully through the Dubai Expo, we'll be able to bring together more of these different stakeholders as well. Stephanie, thank you so much for being part of this today. It's been an absolute delight to be able to speak to you, to hear all these ways in which Farfetch is being able to make a really positive impact. And also about the British Fashion Council and the kind of Institute for Positive Fashion, how that's making an impact as well. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Future Focus, the UK at Expo podcast series. Look out for more podcasts in the series or subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. And if you want to stay up to date with all things UK Pavilion, links to our social media channels can be found in the episode description.